0: So if I asked you what your pet peeve is, you could think of it like that, couldn't you? Like the one thing that really bothers you, like it takes you backward in your walk with Jesus. Uh, I get the privilege of picking up uh, Jake and a friend from school every week. And Wednesday I pick him up and immediately Jake gets in the car and he's like, Dad, stop. And he goes, that's a, my biggest pet peeve. And what I was doing is... Um, Ever since I got a crown on the back of my tooth here, ever since I got that like a year and a half ago, when I chew gum on that side, I can make it crack. So I can make this popping sound. He hates it. And I use it to my advantage. So when, like, when Jake's not listening, I'll be like, I'll pull out a stick of gum. I'm like, Jake. He's like, oh, yeah. So anyway, that's just good parenting. But you have pet peeves, things that bother you, like the cracking of the gum bothers Jake. I've told you some of mine, people that spoil the end of a movie that they've seen and I haven't seen. Oh, my gosh. That I want them to meet Jesus that day. I, I get so upset. I tell you, people that, uh, oh my God, people that drive too, mm-hmm. people that drive too slow, people that don't understand that the speed limit is just a suggestion and they don't get it. So that, that bothers me. You got excited about that. I like you. So, um, you know, but one of my biggest pet peeves is, is, a, is a, a subject that we're going to focus on for about a month. Excuses. See, I hate when people make excuses, and sometimes I do that, and sometimes you maybe do that, but people that make excuses, like the series is called No Excuses, because we can either make excuses, or we can make a difference, we just can't do both, and that's why I'm so excited about this series, but if we're honest, and by the way, an excuse, many times we'll disguise it as a reason, don't we? Like, the reason... I can't help you move on Saturday. I got, I got a thing going on, you know. The reason I can't, the reason I won't, the, the, the reason, oh, here's one. The reason I can't go to church, right? You ever said that? Don't lie, you're in church. I mean, I have. There was a long season in my life that I didn't go to church. Not because I was mad, not because of, just because I didn't think it was necessary, I didn't find it valuable. I didn't think it really mattered or it made a difference in my life. And I had the excuses, let me tell you, and maybe you can relate to them. It's like, oh, can't go. Sunday's my only day off. Not going to do it. Or, oh, they're going to talk about money. They just want my money. Or there's just a bunch of hypocrites at church. That's all they are. It's just, it's just too far. I'm just too tired. It's just too early. Or the, the, one of the biggest excuses that I would use, maybe you have too, is I'm good. Yeah, I, me and Jesus, we're good. I don't, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And while technically that's a fact, but here's the thing with me anyway. When I, when I went to a church where I met Jesus and he met me, and I started to get into scripture and I started reading about what the church really was because it wasn't what I thought it was. Like it wasn't just like this place or this steeple or or just a certain stigma, but it was it was the, the body of Christ. I started to learn that. And then I learned it wasn't just the body of Christ, but it was the bride of Christ. And then I learned it was the only thing that Jesus said he would build. And then I found out that it was God's primary plan to to reach his people for the kingdom of God. See, when God started to show me that, and I think when God shows you that, we won't look for excuses to get out of going to church, but we will find every reason to run to the church and watch what God does. It it changed me. God, I made excuses. And when you hear about a series called No Excuses, it's so easy to think about somebody else, isn't it? It's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm glad so-and-so is here. I wish so-and-so was here. I sure hope so-and-so listens to the message. I need to send this to so-and-so, right? We think about our kids or our spouse or our coworker or a boss that, that makes excuses. But what if, what if it's also for you? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's for me. Just tell your neighbor, it's for me. If you're watching online, are you saying it? I hope you are. If you're watching online, type in the comments, it's for me. See, it's for you, because what if, and this is the big what if, I wrote it down, what if your excuses and my excuses are the very thing holding us back from what God has for us? You're going to see it in the Word of God. It's actually all over in it, and that's why I'm so excited about this series. But what if, because every time that we make an excuse, you and me, every time that we have a reason that we can't go there, or that we won't go there. Every time, what we're doing—don't miss this. What we're doing is we are we are creating an invisible barrier. I'll say it a different way: we are constructing a stop sign that isn't even there. It's not even real. Like, like a couple years ago, Ava, you maybe don't remember this. What you and I were driving—I took my life in your hands when you were we were practicing your your driving, and uh, you, you got to an intersection. And she stopped, and that, you would think that's a great thing, but it wasn't a great thing because there was no signs, and there was no cars, and I said, Ava, you don't need to stop. Like, this is, well, it'll take us a long time to get home, Ava, if you stop at every intersection, so you don't want to do that. But she'd created a stop sign in her head, and some of us, you and me, this is what you've done, and you don't even know it. Like, you, you, you've, you, you've stopped God's planning your life. You, you, you're trying to stop God from doing what he wants to do because you've created excuses or reasons in your head. Lies, you could say, right? The, the stop sign's not real. It's not there. You don't, you don't have to believe it. But if you believe it, if you believe this is there in your head, it doesn't matter whether it's there or not, you'll do it. You'll, you'll believe it. A lie believed as truth will impact you like it's true. <laughs> I'll say it again. A lie that you believe is true, it will impact you like it's true. Whether it's true or not. And, and, and what you believe, whether what you believe is fact or fiction, it doesn't matter. If you believe it, it will determine how you behave. It will determine your next step. This is so huge. Moses, if I, if I bring up Moses and you, were, you have any kind of a church background, you automatically think, oh my gosh, an incredible Old Testament prophet who, who God used and he delivered people and he's this epic character. What if I told you that Moses had excuse after excuse after excuse why he wasn't the guy? Why he wasn't part of God's plan? It it is insane. Everybody has a story, and a lot of times we hear the highlight reel, or we see the highlight reel, and we oh, Moses, this epic, but you don't know all the barriers Moses put up, all the stop signs he put up, all the lies he was believing I'm preaching to you today out of Exodus, Old Testament stuff. Exodus, second book of the Bible, Exodus 3, verse 7. Let me set the stage. Moses, he grew up in a powerful, he grew up like in, in a powerful Egyptian home. He had a lot of prestige. Moses made a huge mistake, killed a guy. That's a pretty big mistake. God frowns on that. And, and then, he, then he ran, and he was a shepherd. And while he was being a shepherd, 40 years passed. He's 80 years old, and God shows up in the form of of a plant that's on fire. A burning bush moment that he has, literal, like this bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. That'll get your attention. It did with Moses. And God is speaking through that. And he's speaking purpose into Moses' life, and Moses isn't having it. I'll show you. The Lord's speaking through this fire, through this uh, consuming bush, or un- unconsuming bush that's on fire, and he says, Moses, I've certainly seen the oppression of the people, because the people, the Hebrews, the, the, the Jewish nation, God's chosen people, they're in slavery to Egypt, so they've been in slavery for a long time, and God's like, I see what's going on, Moses. I know what's happening to your people and my people. I've heard their cries of distress uh, over the harsh slave drivers. Yep, I'm aware. I'm aware of their suffering. And by the way, he's aware of yours. And he's aware of your hurt. And he's aware of your struggle. And, and, And if you don't think God's hearing you right now and God doesn't care about you right now, I came to tell you that is a lie that you're believing Because he desperately cares. He cared for the people. The people maybe didn't know that because they were getting beaten and whipped and they were again slaves. But God's telling Moses "No, no, no, I hear the prayers, I see their cries. I see what's going on. I'm aware of the suffering. So I have come down. Oh, this is great news for Moses. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious and land. Oh, he describes it so beautiful. It's a land, Moses, filled with milk and honey provision. The land right now where, where some of the bad tribes live, he lists them. The Canaanites and the, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, I mean the Jebusites, and the most feared tribe, the Stellulites. They all live there. I'm just kidding on that last one. But anyway, so God says, look, the cry of the people of Israel, it's reached me. I hear it. And I've seen how harshly the Egyptians are to them. And I've come down. And I bet Moses in his head is thinking, yes, God has come down. God is going to take out the Egyptians. And God is going to free the people. And God is going to do all these things. And finally, and then God hits him. Now Moses, you go. You go. You go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is like the king of Egypt. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead the people. Must. You must lead the people out of Egypt. You know what Moses did? He built one of these. And he said, Mm-mm. God, you need to stop right there. You need to stop right there and listen to what he says. <laughs> this is crazy. Basically, you, you, I almost could think about what Moses is thinking. He'll say it in a second, but I can't imagine what he's thinking. Me? Mm-mm. Me? Moses or, or God, you, you got the wrong guy, Right? Uh, uh, like, like God, you don't need me. Like, you can do it. And God's like, yeah, Moses, I know I can do it, but I'm choosing you. See, God chooses you. He doesn't need us to do anything for him, but he chooses us. This is what's crazy, church. When you're the church, he chooses you. To, to You're his plan to reach his people. You're his plan to, to live out his purpose, to, 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 to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. That's so crazy. But Moses didn't just think those things. He said it. But Moses says to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? I mean, who am I? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel into Egypt? So in other words, Moses' first excuse, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes, God. And many of you, you know you're there, you've been there, you might be there. I don't have it. Uh, uh, uh. like God I used to be powerful remember I was part of the Egyptian tribe and I was Hebrew but they raised me up into power I had the power I had the platform I had everything but I jacked that up God I messed it up bad and now I'm a God I'm a failure how many of you are describing yourself that way right now so many people see failure is not a person it's an event it actually can be a beautiful, powerful catalyst event if you, if you learn from it. But so many people, it's not an event to them, it's them. I've messed up. Now I'm the mess up. I failed, so I'm the failure. And we label ourselves, but oh my God. Every time you and I label ourselves, we limit ourselves. Every time. Every time we do, we start to build one of these, and, and I'm, I'm the wrong guy. God, I, I, I know it was, I, maybe at one point I could have done it, but now I don't have what it takes. An excuse, there's many definitions of what it is. Here's one that I like. An excuse is a lie. Say it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie we tell ourselves about ourselves. I'm a failure. I don't have it. I can't do it. I'll give you a, kind of a fun example. Um, I never believed that I would swim, that I would learn to swim. I kid you not. I grew up on a farm, if you don't know, until I was 10 years old. We didn't go into town much, hardly at all. So it, unless you learn to swim on the farm, you ain't learning to swim. And the only opportunity is like getting into the stock dam with the cattle. And I'm not doing that. So there's no opportunities to swim. So at 10 years old, we move into the big metropolis of Salem, South Dakota, and they had a pool that was in walking distance. And I'm like, all right, man, I, gotta, I, gotta, I don't want to be one of those weird kids. Too late. But I, I need to learn to swim. I, I'll never forget. My mom signed me up for swimming lessons. I go. It's, fr- it's like 31 degrees. Of course, the lessons are at 6 in the morning or something. Ungodly. And I go. And I'll ne- I remember what I was wearing. And I'm embarrassed to tell you, but I'll tell you. So my mom had me these little, little pink shorts, like, yeah, little, like, uh, not quite a speedo, but close, and and they had a little buckle on them. I'm like, I, it was over before it started, you guys. I was doomed as soon as I put those things on. So I'm going to the pool in my little pink shorts, and I get to the pool, and here I am, I'm 10 years old, and I'm looking around, and everybody else is like five or six. It's like I'm on the set of an Adam Sandler movie, like Billy Madison 2. I'm like, this ain't right. Like, here, am. what am I doing? So I, I'll never forget. I was in the water, and the instructor, um, the lifeguard, is holding me up like this. And I'm, like, doing this paddling and pretending like I'm swimming. And she lets me go, whoop, like a rock. And I'm like, this I mean, I, I wasn't getting it. And I left lessons that day in my little pink shorts with the buckle on them. And I'm walking home, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, I ain't going back. And I didn't. I went to one lesson, and that was it. And I said to myself, I'm done. I'll never swim again, and I'll never wear those shorts again, both. That, that's not happening. Well, as you make friends, they want to go to the pool. So I'd go to the pool, but I had every excuse not to go into the deep end. I had every excuse when they said, hey, let's go off the diving boards. I'm like, no, 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 I'm good, and then I'd give them a reason. You know, I'm, uh, you guys do cannonballs. I'll be the judge, you know. I'll score them. You, you guys go ahead and do the deep end. Oh, by the way, I just saw the movie Jaws, to add and Jaws, if you don't know, he lives at the deep end of the pool. That's where he lives. And he don't mess around. Like, he, Jaws not only ate a lot of people, but if you ever saw Jaws 4, he ate a helicopter, okay? Now, that's legit, and I'm not messing with that. So I'm like, you guys go, and I'll judge, and I'll watch these kids, make sure they're okay. But I had every excuse not, not, not to get into the deep end, not to learn to swim. To, to, actually, I'll give you a, another example that's more prevalent to the church. Last week, if you you were here, I shared that we have a, a birthday coming up. You already know that, five years old. But we really should be turning seven years old. But because I didn't listen to God for the first two years when he called us to plant the church, because I had fear, I would make excuses. And I would disguise them. It wasn't like, I won't do it. I'd be like, well, God's doing so much right now at the campus we're at. Lives are changing. Growth is happening. So I would disguise it with that. Uh, it wasn't like, I, I didn't say... Well, I'm afraid of failing. No, instead I was like, well, I'm just, not, I'm just not called to plant a church. Like, I'm called to be just this campus pastor, and this is my calling. It, it was great. So every time I wrote it down, every time I said that, my excuse was becoming reality to me. And your excuse has become reality to you. When that happens, the stop sign goes up, and it stops you from becoming all that God created you to be. An excuse. Because at the end of the day, you know What? You know what excuses do? They tell you what you can't do. That's what they do. They'll never tell you what you can achieve or what you can do. And you can achieve way more than you think. And you can do way more than you think. But the excuses will tell you what you can't do. They did with Moses. I can't do it, God. I don't have what it takes. I'm a failure. Remember, God? I'm a murderer, God. I kill people. That's not good, God. You know that. I'm a mess up, God. But you need to understand something about God. See, if God waited to to use people or move through people that weren't messed up, he would never get anything done. Like, I came to tell somebody that God's plan for you and God's power for you is way greater than your past that you've gone through. It's true. Moses' past was his excuse. Look at all the mess-ups, God. Look at all the screw-ups. I can't do it. So God leans in. And Moses was inadequate, and rightly so. By himself, he can't do nothing. But he wasn't by himself. See, with God, you have everything you need to do what he's called you to do. So do you know what God does? God God reminds him, Moses. You're talking to God. Moses, I'm like with you in this. And if I'm with you, that's, that's good news for you. Moses says it, or God says it. Verse 12, God answers Moses. Remember Moses threw up the stop sign? I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. God's like, ah, I'll be with you. And this is your sign. There it goes. This is your sign that I'm the one who sent you, Moses. When you brought the people out of Egypt, notice God says when. He's already casting vision. He's already declaring victory. When, Moses, he's trying to build Moses' confidence. When you do this, you will, another definite word, you will worship me at this very mountain that we're at right now, when you do what I'm calling you to do, not if. You will worship me, not maybe. You will do this. I will be with you. That is a promise from God. The deliverance of the people of Egypt didn't depend on Moses. It depended on God, God's ability, God's plan, Moses. God, when we understand that, we say something a lot, but I I wonder if we really believe it. Where God guides, God provides. We forget, we we say it, but sometimes we don't, we don't believe it. It's something Christians say. Sounds good. And it might be true for you or you. Ain't true for me, but I'll say it because it sounds. Where God guides, God, God desperately wanted Moses to get this. So God leans into Moses and says, I'm with you. I'm with you. The, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is with you. And, and now we're thinking, okay, God, for one thing, God is speaking through him. through. A, like, if you go home today and your plant lights itself on fire and starts talking to you, I mean, you'd probably listen. I mean, Moses, he, so we're, we're like, Moses certainly gets it now. Moses will certainly step into the purpose now. Moses will certainly grab the helm and lead the people out of Egypt now. You know what Moses does? He builds another one. He constructs another one. It ain't real, but it's real to Moses. And if it's real to Moses, it might as well be real. Because he'll act as if if it is. Excuse number two, Moses says, remember God said, when you go, listen to the very first word Moses says, already questioning, if. God just said when, Moses, but now you're saying if. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, I mean, they're going to ask me questions, God. They're going to say, well, what's his name? Uh, what do I tell them? That might seem weird to you, but the, the, the people were worshiping all kinds of gods, including the Jews. I mean, they had gods that they would make up, and they were real to the people. They, they, they weren't real gods, by the way. Molech, not a real god. Baal, not a real god. You know why they're listed in the word of God? Because they were real to the people. And if they're real to the people, they'll act accordingly. So, so because there's so many gods people are worshiping... Moses is like, who do I tell him? What do I tell him? Uh, you know what, God? One second here, I got to build something, and he builds it. And basically, what he's remember remember the first excuse? I don't have what it takes. What's the second excuse? Here's what it is: I don't know enough. I I don't I, I'm not smart enough. Oh, by the way, I got to add something. The first excuse: I don't have what it takes. That wasn't the real excuse. Oh, we'll get to the real reason behind Moses not wanting to go, but that wasn't it. And by the way, the second excuse, I don't know enough, that's not the real reason. Remember, it's just a a fake reason. It's just just something that Moses contrived in his head. And he's going to go with it. I don't have what it takes, and and so we'll go with it for now. But that's not the real reason. We'll get to the real reason. So Moses is going with, I'm not smart enough. Uh, God, they're going to ask me questions. I mean, the Israelites are going to ask questions, and I'm not going to know the answer. And isn't that our biggest fear, like his people? Do you remember the days you were in school and you didn't do the lesson? You didn't do the homework. And all of a sudden the teacher starts like calling on people randomly to answer the questions. And you're looking at a sheet of paper. Or was this just me? I don't know. But you're looking at a sheet of paper and you got blanks. And you're like, oh, you get real religious. Oh, God, please. In the name of Jesus, please don't let her call on me. Please don't let him call on me. And you know what's going to happen. You're getting called on in the first grade when Mrs. Hopped called on me and she got me at my weakest moment at my weakest subject like directions I've always struggled with I probably maybe always will I don't know I can't, don't you hate when you ask for directions? people start using these big words like south and east I'm like, seriously, just point you know now I don't need any like homework, geography homework I mean sucks, but anyway so. So Mrs. Hopped, I'm sitting there as a little first grader, just innocent as all get out, Catholic grade school. Can you picture me in my red sweater, my white shirt, my blue pants? And I'm sitting there, and Mrs. Hopped says, Monty, uh, could you stand up and face north? And I was thinking to myself, no, I can't do any of what you're saying. I cannot. So I remember, it was slow motion, you guys, and I'm sitting. And I slowly stand. I, it, maybe it wasn't slow motion, but to me it was. And I'm standing there, and I'm just, I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way is north. And as I'm sitting there, like, thinking about which way to turn, all of a sudden Mrs. Hop says, great job. And I was like, what? She goes, she goes you're facing north. I, I, it turns out I already was facing north. Oh. That's the first time God became real to me. I was like, yes, I nailed it. I was like, wow. It was, so we get nervous. But what's worse what, here's what's worse than not having the answer what's worse to me is people that always have to have the answer even though they don't have the answer they always have to have something to say and i'm like i always tell the leaders that i get to lead i always say if you don't know the answer don't pretend you do god say you don't know but say i'll find out i don't know but i'll find out say i don't know but i'll find out that's what we say um it was so funny uh Uh, the queen passed away. You all know this a few weeks ago. And uh, Jake and a friend were hanging out and they were having a conversation and his friend was like, oh, the queen died today. And we're like, yeah, the queen died. He said, yep, they knew the day. It's been all planned out, like the day she was going to die. And I was like, I'm I'm not saying anything. I'm just letting them talk. I'm listening. I'm like, this is going to be good. So he's like, yeah, it's planned out. And they knew like decades ago she would die on that day. And Jake's, like, talking to him, and Jake's like, so, so like, they killed her? And, and his friend says, well, yeah, they put her down. And then, and then I had to say, I had to say, I said, like a dog? He's like, yep. I was like, oh, boy, this is really getting crazy. Uh, so And then he said, it's Operation London Bridge. And I was like, ooh, that sounds pretty good. And I look at Jake, I'm like, mm-hmm. no. So we go home, and we, just, we didn't say anything. We went home, and we Googled Operation London Bridge. It's a real thing. Like, I was surprised to read it. But it wasn't the fact that they're going to plan a day where she's, she dies. It's the plan after she died, what they would do. So it's never a dull moment at the Gannon household. So it's interesting. But Moses, oh, by the way, if you had all the answers, you wouldn't need God. Understand that, too. If you had all the answers, you wouldn't need God. God's response, or Moses' response, or excuse me, God's response is where we're at. Remember what Moses said? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm too dumb, God. I, I'm, I don't have the answers. And God's like, Moses, you're wondering what to, who to tell him I am? Just tell him, t- tell him I am who I am. And I'm sure Moses is like, what? I am who I am? Yep, say this to the people of Israel. I am sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh. They'll know that word. They'll know that name. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, of of the Hebrew nation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God that sent you. They'll know that God. They'll know that. Uh, You know, the the excuse of not knowing enough, it isn't just Moses and Old Testament. Uh, Right now, me and a, uh, a group of guys are reading through Acts you get to, uh, this is the story of the first church, and you get to a point where guys like Peter and John are doing miracles, like they're healing people through the power of Jesus, and there's a point where they get arrested because the religious people didn't like it, they didn't care about miracles, they didn't care about healing, they just wanted to stop the message of Jesus, so they arrested Peter and John, and I love what, uh, Acts 4.13, it gives me such hope, for not having all the answers, maybe not being the smartest guy, but, but look, look what they say. It says, the members of the council were amazed at, at Peter. They were amazed at John. They see, they're so bold. Like, they're, they're just standing there and saying it. They're, the boldness of Peter and John, they could see. They, they were ordinary. Hmm. They were ordinary men with no special training in the scripture. They could see they didn't know much. They could see they were unschooled. They could see they were untrained. I told you this before, but the word ordinary in the Greek means idiotus. Say idiotus. Idiotus. You know what you know what word comes from that, don't you? You can see it. That's where we get the word. So so here's Peter and Peter and John. And it's true, you guys. They didn't know a lot. Tweedledee and Tweedledum. There they stand. They don't know much, but they knew this. They knew. My God is with me, right? And they knew my God is for me. And not only that, but my God is in me. See, I'm telling you, it's not about how much you know. It's about who you know. That's what really matters. That's what made them powerful. That's what made them bold. You don't need to know a lot. You just need to know him. He's with you. He's for you. He's the great I am. Oh, it's... So... Back to Moses' story. You remember how we started, right? We, we started with a definition. An excuse is a lie. It's a lie you're telling yourself about yourself. And because you tell that self, you start to believe it. It's crazy. The mind is a powerful thing. And you, and you believe that you don't have what it takes. And you believe that you don't know enough to be the person to do that next step or take that next step. And I kept asking during the message, I kept asking myself, what lies am I believing? What what fake stop signs do I keep stopping at? They're not even there. They're not even real, but they're real to me and they're real to you. What where am I being deceived? Where am I where am I missing what God wants? What have I fabricated or created? That's an illusion. See, the reality is so for some of you, the reason that you keep telling yourself or telling others, it may have been valid even at one point. It might have been at one point. And, and as you said, you know, I, I just didn't have a lot. I just didn't grow up with opportunities that other families had. Like we grew up and we were poor. We grew up in, in, and I didn't have a dad. And I grew up and my mom wasn't much of a mom. And maybe that's true, but here's the thing you're not eight anymore, you're 28 right? Those excuses have expired and they're holding you back. No longer can we say, you know what? This is just the way I am. This is just the way I was raised. I've always been this way and I'll always be that way. Someone say stop. Stop. We need to stop. It's time to stop believing the lies of the devil, and start embracing the truth that your God is bigger than your problems and that with his power, you can be changed. He can change you. He wants to. Do you believe it? I mean, deep down. You don't have to say it out loud. Oh, it's church. Of course we believe it, pastor. God can change you. But if you don't believe he can... It won't happen it won't happen and I can tell you from experience in a drug addiction that wanted to kill me I've always told you I've tried hundreds of times to stop and that's a true statement Do you know what I haven't told you as much I never believed it would happen you didn't believe in God I believed in God you don't believe that God is powerful I believe God is powerful You don't believe God has the power to change people? I do. You and you. I just don't think He has the power to change me. And why would I be in an addiction for years and years and years and have reasons and excuses? And at the end of the day, I I remember in rehab. Oh my gosh, it was like the first or second day in rehab, and those are rough days. Like, like Moses killed one guy? Like, I wanted to kill everybody. It was just, it's bad. You were lucky you weren't there with me. So, it was very rough, and I was really, like, just miserable. And I'm like, and a counselor came up, and he's like, what's going on? I said, "This it, it doesn't matter that I'm here. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. Like, I can't get out of this. And it was, it was a spiritual rehab, and he's like, you don't think God can do it? I said, No. And he said, the God that makes the sunset and the sunrise, he can do that, but he can't change you. I said, that's right. And he he knew I was in, uh, he knew he wasn't gonna win that argument, so he left. And and God had to do a work. And it took time. And it took prayer. It took m- miracle after miracle. And I find God st- finally started to convince me, maybe, maybe he can change me maybe he can help me stop. Maybe there is hope. Maybe there's a way out of the pit. Maybe there's a way out of the mess. And I started to use the word maybe. And maybe that's where some of you need to start. Maybe you're not all in like, yeah, but you're like, maybe. Maybe there's hope in this relationship. Maybe there's hope in that calling that I've given up on. Maybe God has that power that I haven't believed he had. Because if you don't believe he has it, it won't happen. It is a fact. I've lived it. The mind is such a powerful thing. What we believe, I said it earlier, what we believe determines how we behave. And some of you keep believing lies and excuses. And if it's in your head, I'm telling you, that's, if the enemy wins the battle in your head, he's won. It automatically. It's why I own, one of my favorite scriptures is Romans 12 too. God says, don't be like everybody else. Stop being like other people. Most people are, are, they're not living my way, but you're different, Meadows Church. Stop it, stop copying what you see. Let me change you. And I'll do it by changing the what's here. I'll do it by changing the way you think. Why would God focus so much on the way we think? Because he knows that is where the battle is won, and that is where the battle is lost. And you might be, you might be thinking, I don't, have, I don't make excuses. That's, I don't do that. I don't come up with reasons. I own stuff. I get after stuff. The more you're convinced of that, the more you might be wrong. The devil's a deceiver. If you're being deceived, guess what? You don't know you're being deceived. That's why it's called deception. Deception. And if you don't think the mind is powerful, you guys are going to know the answer to these questions. You'd know it without me even showing you this, but I want you to say it out loud. What kind of sign is this? Sign. Yeah, it's a stop sign. It says what? Stop. You see that. How many sides does a stop sign have? Eight. Some of you thought six, and that's okay. I thought that right away too, but it's eight. Eight. It's eight. You you, you would know that if you thought about it even without seeing it. Your mind knows that. What color is a stop sign? It's red. See, you know that. If I wasn't holding a sign, you'd still know it. Let me ask you another question, okay? Watch this. What kind of a sign is that? Yield. You knew it right away. It's a yield sign. How many sides does a yield sign have? You already know it. Because it's in your head. You've seen them. What color's a yield sign? Yellow. yellow. They're, we know they're yellow. They've always been yellow. In fact, I'll show you a picture of a yield sign. The mind is a powerful thing. Do you know how long a yield sign has been red and white? Since 1971. True story. Why would most of you yell yellow? You were convinced it was yellow. I don't have a problem. Someone else has the problem. I don't have the issue. Someone else has the issue. I don't make excuses. They make excuses. I can be the king of excuses. You can either make excuses or you can make a difference. You can't do both. Moses' story is going to continue with you and I next week. Oh, the reasons that he gave aren't the real reasons. We'll get to those next week. We'll get to that next week. But for today, oh, by the way, these things that you're building in your head, the stop signs that you've constructed that aren't real, do you know what's on the other side of these stop signs? You don't. Neither do I. And you never will if you don't take it down. I don't know what's behind. I don't know what's beyond them. I do know this. It's something bigger and better than we can dream or imagine. But we'll never know if we keep looking at it and stopping. So this is my prayer for you. What excuses am I making? What lies am I believing? What reasons am I giving? Because Right? If you're using because a lot that word you could be making excuses or reasons I can't because i, I the business I, I it's not gonna work because it's just not working i'm not gonna I'm not gonna stay with it because it's failing I'm not gonna start it because school mm-mm. I can't make that decision you know why because serving you see a lot of the dream team shirts that are on today those people serve maybe you haven't ever served in the church I can't because. What lies are we believing? What issue are you struggling with? Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's secrets and sins. And you haven't gone there or told anybody. You know why I can't right now? Because this other stuff's going on. It's not the right time. It'll never be the right time. You know what the right time is? There's note cards on your chairs. We're going to sing a worship song here in just a few minutes. And I want to give you space during that time. And even right now, if you want, and these are confidential, you, you can put your name on it, but you, ain't, you don't have to. But I want you to get real with yourself. I don't want to just go to church. Oh, I hear a great message. And then we go and what? No, the most important part is what you do. I really want you to get honest with yourself and with God right now as you pray. God, what stop signs have I created? What areas of my life am I making excuses? What areas of my life am I am I have I told lies to myself? Lies that I'm believing. Like, I've convinced myself they're real. But, but, I, but as I look back, I know they're not. W- write it down. Be specific. And during the song, you can come up and, and, and put them in these, these buckets here. Just put them in. And we pray over those, and we'll pray over you. Take a picture, though, so you know, so you remember what, what it is. What lies, what, what deceit. The enemy will win in your head if you let him. But this is Meadows Church. We ain't letting him. The gospel of Jesus, how you're saved and set free. Do you know how many people are believing lies? The lie that I would believe, I got I to earn it. I got to be good. That's why I believed it. Good people, they earn their way up to heaven. And bad people, they have no... Moses, you ain't got no chance. You kill the person, Moses. No chance. It's a lie. You know what the truth is? You're saved by God's grace through your faith when you believe in Jesus Christ. That's, that's the gospel. And then, and then you agree with that, and you confess it to God. God, I'm jacked up. God, I'm messed up. You already know it, and I need you. I need you to forgive me, and I'm repenting. I'm want Change my mind. That's what repent is. We think it's change behavior. You know what re- the word means? It means change your mind. Because here's the thing. God knows if he, if he can get you to change your mind... Your behavior follows. That's why repentance is in the mind. It means I don't want to go there anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I, w- I, don't, want to, I don't want to talk that way anymore. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to, I don't want to help me, God. I'm not good, and neither are you. Praise God. You, that's not the answer. The answer is God and his grace. But you have to have the faith to believe that Jesus Christ, and it's crazy, that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That he was born and he lived a perfect life. Because there had to be a perfect sacrifice for your sin. And my sin. And Jesus, you got to believe it. It's not negotiable He died on a cross. Dead. Crucified. For something that we did. Because for sin, the wages for sin is death. Something's got to die before something can come to life. And Jesus says, I'll die. Love you so much. I'll die for you. I love you so much, but I've done these things. I'm a liar. I know, but I love you. I'll die for you. And you gotta believe that He died for you. But then, a lot of people died on a cross. You've gotta believe that three days later, He did what He said. He predicted it over and over and over, and nobody would believe it. They didn't, no one was there at the tomb waiting for Jesus is gonna come back to life. You ready, guys? No one was there. That tells you how many people believed. On the third day, he'll bring himself back to life. He did it. When you believe that, see, everything that I believe hinges on an empty tomb. Everything. And I'm telling somebody, when Jesus Christ walked out of the tomb, hope walked into your life. Purpose walked into your life. Salvation walked into your life. New life walked into your life. If you will believe it, And receive it. God says, ask for forgiveness, he'll forgive you. Believe in the story of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Ask him to come into you and make you new. Some of you have never, you've been—you lied to yourself. I've done that. I believe that. Why isn't your life changing? Why aren't you any different then? Something's amiss. Today is the day that you go all in and say, God, there's still things I have. I'm still doing stuff. I'm still thinking stuff. I need you, God, to change me. Ask him. Surrender to him. Mark the decision on those connect cards so we can celebrate what God's doing. And if you're not that, put a prayer request down and let us pray for you that you'll get there. God wants to move in you. God wants to change you. Are you writing on your card? Are you praying to God? Look up here. I love you. Pastor, you don't even know me. I know. I know him. And he's in love with you. So I love you. I've done horrible things in my life. Embarrassing. And he died for me. And if he died for me, the same is true for you. I need you to believe it. I need you to rip some stop signs down today and own it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift everybody up today. Oh my God, the story of Moses. Little did we know that he had stop sign after stop sign after stop sign. Wait a minute, Moses is the guy that he led the people. Yep, those are the stories that we focus on. But what about all the times he tried not to do it? What about all the reasons he had? God, let us be honest with you today. We've come up with reasons. Reasons we haven't gone all in. Maybe it's a reason that we, 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 we can't give and we can't serve and we can't start a business and we can't uh, save a marriage and we can't get things right with our family. What reasons? What stop signs? What excuses do we keep making? Every time we do, we make less and less of a difference in the world. And the reality is you created us to make a difference big time. God, thanks for loving us. Thanks for bringing us here. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us and for coming back to life. We love you. We thank you. God, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.